All right. So welcome back to the Origin Stories podcast where we talk about life, business, real estate, um, and and really break down people's origin of where the game changed for them and, and how they became who they are today. I have a special guest. I'm ecstatic. I've been hoping to get this man on this podcast from the start. I made a list, and he doesn't know this, but I had Justin's name at the top. So we have Justin Prince here with us. Welcome to the podcast. What an honor, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, Fired up to be here with you. Love what you guys are doing. Love the studio. Love the office. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I started this because I was like grew up, um, grew up in a really cool neighborhood, a lot of successful people, incredible families, financially successful. And as you you grow older, you start to realize how how cool some of these people are and how many incredible people and super successful people we have in St. George, Utah, yeah. that I just, I'm like, man, they need to tell their stories. Yeah, of course. Like more people need to know about, to me, the legends that we have right here. Are you from the St. Fry George. family that like settled the whole thing? Yeah. yeah Santa same, Clara yeah, side yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. We lived over there when we first came over here. Nice. We first moved down. And so I know that, I know that name for sure. That's a, that's a legendary name down in yeah. St. Utah. No, it's it's fun. Um, so Justin, you just wrote a book recently called Be the One. Yeah. And anyway, I listened to it and it I I'm getting I'm gonna get it for all my sales guys. Appreciate because that. Because it's incredible. Like absolutely incredible. So if you haven't if you haven't bought this or listened to this book, people can find it yeah, wherever, wherever your favorite books are sold, whether it's there, audible, Amazon bookstores, the whole thing. What inspired you to write the book? Uh, there's two things. So, you know, as I kind of look back at my journey, right? Like my, my journey in my career, uh, you know, my first folks got divorced when I was 12. I was my mom's oldest. So my mom, when she married my dad had an older, my older sister, older brother. And so my sister was in California. My bro- little bro- or my older brother moved in with my dad. And so I was the oldest at home. We moved 13 times in the seven years through the teenage years. I was making pizzas. I was doing construction work. So no real professional background. I used to do direct consumer sales. I worked for a, a company. I did both door to door, but then also in mall kiosks. Like sold like at a mall kiosk. And so uh, I always had a lot of heart and like a lot of like dreams. But I like had no college education and I was selling at a mall kiosk, you know, just not, not a lot of direction. <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, just out there hustling. Yeah. You know? And uh, started my first business at 25, uh, went for it. The first business failed. It was below zero financially. So moved at that point, my pregnant wife and our two kids into the loft above my wife's parents garage. So I'm 27 years old. I'm a grown man. I live in the United States of America. My two kids sleep in the closet. My wife and I are in this little loft above oh my, my in-law's garage. I have two part-time jobs. I had to go get a job during the weekdays and then a job on the weekends. And then I started another business to like become free, you know, as an entrepreneur. You're pushing, I mean, getting close to 30 at the Yeah, like 20. yeah I'm grinding, dude. And I'm like, I'm like, what the heck is wrong with me? You know, this That's sucks, crazy. you know? And you start to wonder, I think during that time, like, do I have what it takes? Like, I know other people are successful. Do I have what it takes? You know, is it possible for me? And um, eventually with that business, uh, I, I grew that business, ended up selling it. I spoke all over the world with that business, uh, you know, speaking through the former Soviet Union, through Moscow and Umsk, Russia and Amadi, Kazakhstan back when I was like 29. Sold that business 32, did private equity consulting for two years. And then my last business, uh, I came in originally as a consultant, part of like a consulting team. Uh, it was a transformation project. So the company had had eight years of declining revenue, like pretty steep decline in revenue. And so it, was, it needed to be transformed, take, yeah. you know, kind of turned around. 
we ended up starting basically a brand new company in essence and transforming the old company and a new business model. And over the next 11 years, you know, I led all of our sales teams and went out there and just kind of started like telling everybody this is a good idea, you know, and um, all over the world. In that business, you know, we, we acquired millions and millions of customers, did $2.5 in revenue, uh, you know, paid well over a billion in commissions to the folks that were out sharing wow. our products. So it was a really, really good experience. And so all of that leads to this. You start to realize that success is an identity process and you're never going to outperform the way you see yourself. So if you see yourself as a loser, you're not going to show up and play like a winner. If you see yourself as a winner, you're not going to roll over and quit like a loser. If you think you're a five, you won't play like a 10, you know? And I started to understand. I looked at people and I was like, yo, you're the one, <laughs> you know, you're the one. That's cool. And as I, one thing, one way to think about it is this. If you think of your parents and your grandparents, your great grandparents for those that met them, your great, great grandparents, if you were to go up 12 generations in your family lineage, 12 generations was 4,094 people. So 4,094 people from all over the world came together to create you. You know, you are the one. And you are the one these folks lived for and bled for and cried for and died for and gave everything they had for us for us to have this moment, right? And the second part is not to become the one because you already are the one. That's, a, that's an identity process, realizing who you really are. But to be it, to be the one today, to be the best version of yourself. So I, I wanted to write a book that hopefully inspired and motivated, but really what I wanted to do was to teach like frameworks and formulas and the practical, tactical steps of like, how did this happen? How did you go from divorced family at 12 and no college education and whatever to billions of dollars in revenue and multiple multi-million dollar businesses? Like, how did that all happen? It happened through these like steps. Like it didn't just happen, yeah. right? It's practical, tactical steps and formulas and frameworks that have completely changed my whole life, you know, and I've used all over the world and changed a whole bunch of other people's lives as well. And so I wanted to put all that stuff down so that someone could go chapter by chapter by chapter by chapter, re realize not only who they are, they're the one, but then know how to be that one today. It's literally a roadmap. That's like, right. I'm telling you guys, this book is dynamite. Like it is a roadmap in helping you put down what you need to do and the yeah. practices to be, come and, and be. Yeah. You already are the one. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's a present state, right? You're stepping yeah. into who you really are. So you got... Three kids? Four. Two, four. Four kids. Yeah, so my oldest is actually uh, in West Virginia right now. He's doing a, a, a mission, a two-year a church mission. So he's in West Virginia. He'll be 20 this month. Oh, cool. In like two weeks. And then bookend boys, 11-year-old boy and my older son, and then 16 and 14-year-old girls. That's great. That's They're awesome. Amazing. <laughs> They're yeah, amazing families, kids. Which we're going to dive into that. You've shared stages, speaking stages. You talk, you spoke all over the world. You've yeah. shared stages with... Let's let's hear some of the names that you've, yeah, I mean, you've, you've so, rubbed shoulders with. Yeah, yeah. You know how it is. It's 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 the strangest thing. It's like oh, some of those early CDs or tapes that I used to listen to back in the day, but like CDs I'd listen to or books that I'd read. And the next thing you know, you're like speaking on the same stage as those people. You're like, <laughs> what the heck is happening? Here? You know, it's almost it's almost surreal. But you know, like John John C. Maxwell, uh, Inc. Magazine said he's the world's foremost authority on leadership. He's he wrote the forward for my book. I've spoken. With him, I traveled with him. He and my son Isaac and I traveled to Costa Rica together uh, to wow. do a country transformation. Had some really, really, really incredible stories there. And I tell some of those stories in the book. And then, uh, you know, I've spoken with Ed Milet, Jamie Lee McKern. Um, you know, had a, uh, some back time with Brandon Richard, you know, just he and I. And so just, just met some really amazing people over the years. And, you know, some of my mentors and people that really inspired me were self-made self, self -made billionaires, you know, folks that really took me to a whole different level. There's just power and proximity. I was on the phone with a guy yesterday, and 
you always want to pay for proximity. You want to pay for speed. You want to pay cool. for speed. Uh, what do you mean of, by that? Pay? Well, yeah. So it's like, it's like, it's like in the early days, I did an interview once, a magazine interview. And it was like, it was like an interview on leadership or, or something like that. It was like a yeah. little article on leadership. Anyway, we finished and the guy says something like, he goes, he goes, how did this all happen? I go, what do you mean? He goes, how did you go from like broken home? Like whatever, how did it all happen? I tried to like quantify it in like its most simple forms. So it was really four words, right? Read, listen, surround, apply. So read great books, listen to inspiring information, surround yourself with great people, and then apply what you learn. And almost like in its most simple form, right? Yeah. I was like, that's what I did. But what happened is I almost, I don't want to say graduated. I still read great books all the time. I'm, I'm like a student of books. Uh, I'm also always listening to inspiring information, stuff like this, right? Yeah. And I'm always surrounding myself with great people and I'm always doing the best I can to apply what I learned. But here's the thing is what happened is I went from like books to like masterminds. I went from books to private coaching. I went from books to like mentorship, like where it's like you would have you would have days or multiple days or a day with people that are playing the game at a way different level than you. So what happens is what would have taken you 10 years or five years of just beating your head against the wall. Maybe you will figure it out. Maybe you won't. But you're just going to go out there and force it, which is fine, which is great. It's what I did for years of my yeah. career. To where you could collapse that into three days because that same learning that you'd pick up over five years. But here's the thing is it costs money to do that, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, a lot of times people are like, what's the best investment I should make right now? Is it real estate? Is it cryptocurrency? Is it stock market? Is yeah. it private equity? Like what's the best investment? The best investment you'll ever make is an investment in yourself. And how about today's day and age and how accessible these opportunities are? Yeah. More than ever, yep. really. Like... Being, we're close to Las Vegas. Like, how many events and masterminds could you go plug yourself in and pay and have those experiences? Right. Yeah. I mean, look we we have been raised in an educational in a in a framework of an educational system where you'll go spend, for example, hundred thousand dollars four years of your life, go into debt in many cases. Uh, and I'm talking about just the education side. There's value in, in a college where you're like the experience of it, just the education side, right? Just what you learn. But what's happening for a lot of these kids is they're leaving that environment and they'd actually, the world's changing so rapidly that the education that they're picking up is actually not applicable once they leave. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah. So in other words, they're, they, they're gone and it's like, yo, it's not up to speed yet. And unless you're a doctor, chiropractor, attorney, CPA, lawyer, I'm not sure what the value is, except for maybe the social experience, right? So my dad was ahead of the game. He told me this. He's like, son, if you're not going to go and, and, and be, and do like, go to school and what's the word? Um, specialize. Yeah. Yeah. Specialize, right? Specialize as a doctor. It was kind of along the lines of like, I, you just need to go get into sales. Yeah. You know, like you need most to go important get into skill sales. you'll ever learn is figuring out how to sell. Because the most important skill you'll ever learn is figuring out how to sell. That skill is the one that will, will move you forward in all areas of your life, whether it's the person you marry or the people that you're selling, the people around you, yo, I'm worth hanging out with, or you're a doctor selling the patients, don't go to over there, you should stay here with me or come come hire me. We're all persuading, we're all influencing people. So you were talking to me about my son with his uh, on Instagram with him selling his, his chocolate. Oh, this is like a this, cool this story. Fundraiser. Yeah, we got to get into this. I was telling my son, he's 11, right? Yeah. And he comes home. This is a couple days ago. Comes home. It's it's pouring rain. It's like a torrential downpour. I don't remember last week. It was, there was one of those nights, like oh, Thursday. Yeah. It was just it was just raining. And I see him in the kitchen. He's like putting his hoodie on. He has a hoodie on. He's like putting the hood on, and he's like swinging a, a, a an umbrella, <laughs> and he's like trying to open it. And I'm like, Hey, bud, where are you going? He's like, Oh, I'm gonna go. He goes, 
my school has these fundraiser for these chocolates. He's I'm going to go sell these chocolates. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, hey, bud, you can go tomorrow, dude, if you want. It was like raining hard <laughs> yeah. outside, you know? Yeah. Dark and, like, and raining. Uh, it, it was dark. It was, it was uh -huh. dark and it was raining. I was like, well, where are you going to go? He's like, I'm going to go to all the neighbors that have kids. I'm like, okay, that's probably pretty smart. And then I said, well, what, what are you going to say when you knock on the door? And he said, do you, do you want some chocolate? <laughs> I thought, that's, that's Better good. nothing, you know? Yeah, that's, pretty, pretty, that's pretty uh, pretty simple to yeah. the point. I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, could I give you some some maybe some other things you could say uh, that could help you sell more chocolate? And he goes, okay, what's up? And so I kind of gave, I kind of worked on a little, a little sales pitch for him. And he's like, okay, cool. So anyway, he, long story short, he goes out there, comes back, then I go, how did it go? To? And it's pouring rain the whole time. I'm talking trenchal downpour. Such a happy father moment. And too. he comes back, and I go, how did it go? And I thought he was gonna be like, oh, dude, it was so wet, Dad. I couldn't, you know, I got crushed. He goes, I sold. I mean, I got twenty three dollars. Their bars are one dollar per per bar. I was like, no kidding. Uh, three of the dollars were in quarters, so someone gave him like yeah. four quarters, you know, three times. He goes, one guy bought $5, one other one bought $5. So he made 23 bucks. And I was like, man, good for you, bud. And I just kind of asked him about the experience. But I could hear his hunger for it. And I was like, all right. So I was like, I'll tell you what. What if I do this? What if I help you? Uh, I'll text some friends, but you have to give them your sales pitch. Like, we'll call them, but you have to you have to explain what you're doing. He's like, okay. Anyway, we call a friend. And he switches from, I'm trying to sell a bar. I said to him, like, what's your goal? His goal was to sell 60 bars. They're a dollar each, right? 60 bars. That's one full box. And he gets on the phone with one of these guys and he goes, he, he says, hi, my name's AJ. Uh, my school's doing a fundraiser uh, selling these chocolate bars. They're 60 bars. There's, they're $1 each. So the box is 60 bucks. And he says, all the uh, money Aaron goes to our school supplies and Chromebooks. And he goes, we have milk chocolate, dark chocolate, wafer, Rice Krispie, um, caramel, and almond. And he says, would you like to buy a box? So he shifts from like That's buy a incredible. bar to buy a box, buy, spend a dollar, spend 60. And people are like, yeah, AJ, I'll support you. You know, they'd ask him some questions. What's it for? And why are you doing it? And what, you know, what, you know, uh, is the chocolate good? Have you tried it? They'd ask him some questions, you know, and he'd, he'd answer it. And so I just, we, we started pitching these guys and he just kept honing. And I said to him, I said, bud, every time you give this, you're going to get better. You're going to increase your skills. So you literally, it was, it was almost transformational. His shoulders start going wow. back, his chin start going up, his eyes start lighting up. In the next two days, his goal was to sell 60. We sold, he, or he sold, 1,497 chocolate bars in, in the <laughs> two next days. two days. And uh, just slinging them to everybody, you know, anyone that moved. My wife had some, like, workers over, like, helping with some shelves or whatever, just kind of doing some, like, some handyman kind of work. And he, like, went and sold them $10 worth of bars. And he's just slinging them to everybody. And it was just really, really great moment of the learning how to sell, learning how to persuade, learning how to communicate with people. And, you know, we live in this new society where, you know, a lot of us are in our phones, we're on games, we're in social media. And so we've almost pulled further back from the human interaction. Listen, you want to separate yourself right now? Get into great it. with people. Get great with the human interaction. Look them in the eye, smile, remember their names, speak in terms of their interests, like do all the stuff, you know, uh, give compliments and do it sincerely. Be interested in people. Uh, walk slowly through the crowd. You know, don't just like look around past people. Like look them in the eye and be be sincere with them. Listen, you learn these skills right now and hone them. Uh, I took an interest in his thing, not because he was my son, because of his hunger. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, if he would come home and be like, yeah, they're doing this thing. He school, has a I, bad attitude. You're not going to. I'm not going to be like, yeah. yo, let's let's make some yeah, calls. No. Heck no. I took an interest because he, he was so hungry to succeed. 
so we can all can increase our hunger. How hungry are you? Like, are you like hunger is? Are, what time are you waking up? What time are you going to bed? Are you like are you like working on the next thing? Uh, Brennan Burchard said, if I were to tap a high performer on the shoulder, they did a study on high performance called uh, the uh, what was that book? Um, uh, uh, what was his book? High performance habits. Okay. He did a book called High Performance Habits. It's the biggest study of high performers in history. He said, if you tap a high performer on the shoulder and you say, what's your latest dream or what's your latest goal? They can answer it seven to 10 seconds faster than everybody else. Why? Because it's on the tip of their tongue. Like goals in the back of your mind won't motivate you. This stuff should be on the tip of your tongue. You're th- it's a dominant thought. You're thinking about it all the time. So you're, you're increasing. What are you doing to increase your skill sets? Like you're getting great at what you do. You like, you polish, you polish, you like buff it out. You refine it yeah. out. In, in the book, you talk about this in yes. detail about, yes. hey, listing, I did the practice. Like list 50 things yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. And then circle the top three. Yes. And then you should be able to spit those yes, out. Yes, yes. Like you should obsess yes. over those top three. Yes. People ask me, so I do door-to-door sales. Yes. It is freaking hard. Yep. It is hard. One of the things I love about door-to-door sales, I love about door-to-door sales, is your your interaction and your your ability to hone and get great on your feet is maybe better than any other environment you could do. Because you're literally on your feet. There's no script in front of you. You're like on a phone, right? Where you're, you're literally just knocking the eyeball. door, eyeball to I'm not eyeball. sure when this door opens. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Who's going to answer? Right? Am yeah. I going to get a dog? Am I going to get a <laughs> shotgun? Like what's going to happen, you know? <laughs> and you're on your feet eye to eye and you have to you have to hone and, and you have to communicate and move people. And that is, that is an it's invaluable. invaluable skill. It's invaluable. Yeah. And I actually loved what you said about AJ. Like you talked about the money, but, but really, and, and this is what I love about my job and you touched on it. You said, what did he do with his shoulders? Mm-hmm. How did he carry yeah, himself? Of course. It's the confidence he gained yes. from doing something hard. Yes. And getting better at it. And how that translates to life. Yes. That's I mean, that's so check the value. This out. Check this out. So think of a little eleven year old, little eleven year old boy. Those of you that have kids or friend, you know, little brothers, little sisters, friends. How do they hold how do they hold, has a little kid, has a little fourteen year old boy or eleven year old boy hold themselves? Shoulders are kind of frumpy. Yep. They kind of flap their feet when they walk, you know, and they're just like, What mom? Like they're just kind of frumpy. Just lax right? yeah, just lackadaisical. Um there's a lot of research on the way that you move your body. So your posture, right? So I'll give you an example. Amy, uh, Amy Cuddy wrote a book called Presence. So have you ever seen someone they walk into the room and you're like, I don't know what it is about that person. They got presence. Yeah. Uh, she basically the, it's an academic study of is from Harvard, is it, let's say he has presence, just it's just, I don't know, there's something about the guy. Her thing is, can you gain that or is it just you're born with it? Interesting. So one of the studies talks about, uh, she did a thing called power pose. So a power pose, she even called like the Wonder Woman pose, has a big TED talk on this. She, so Wonder Woman pose, for example, if you imagine that, it's chin up, shoulders fully back, legs like strong, right? And then hands on the hips. Uh, if you, they've raced uh, runners, so think of like Usain Bolt running a 100-meter sprint. When he crosses the finish line, what does he do with his arms? They go into like yeah. what's called the victory pose, right? Yeah. They've had kids run that were blind from birth. And when the kid won, guess what the little kid did? Victory pose. Wow. It's just a natural power pose. This yeah. is a victory pose, right? So what the study says is that for standing for two minutes, just putting your shoulders back, chin up, in other words, getting yourself in a right, uh, changing your physiology, will increase your testosterone by 22% will lower your cortisol, which is your stress hormone, by 20%, and it makes you 33% more likely to take action, be decisive, and be assertive. So for all of us, we want to be more assertive, more decisive, take more action. It's just changing your physiology. And you watch this in this little boy. He's just kind of like, what, dad? Into like, 
hey, my name's AJ. And da 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 he's pitching his stuff. It's a part of that happened with as he started changing his body, he started showing up with more confidence and it and it just pulls through. Now, obviously, some of it is is they're doing it because he's a kid. Listen, I get all that. But the other part is people are like, AJ, you know what? I like your hustle. I mean, they told they told him this, like, I just the fact that you're out there in the rain and the fact you're calling me right now and answering my questions and having confidence, that's what people like. So we all can apply this stuff, you know, in all of our key areas of our lives, whether it's in your marriage, you can show up with more posture and more presence and more confidence and uh, uh, more where I tell people, wherever you are, you want to be there. Now, if you're with your present. spouse, be present, yeah. be, be fully engaged. When you're with your kids, fully engaged. When you're out working, fully engaged. When you're working on your business, fully engaged. And you do that. And you start showing up as a different person. Your testosterone increases for men and for women. Your stress goes down, and you're more assertive, more decisive, and you can take more action. People feel it. People know it. That's right. Like that's the difference you, too. We affect each other. Yeah, you, it, it's yeah. You can feel it. That's right. You can feel it. So you talk about identity, and I, I'm a huge. I love it. I have had a coach and hearing hearing your stuff, and how much weight you put into identity. In the book, you talk about upgrading identity. Yeah. Yeah, like, and it always comes back to is is that person born that way? Like, yeah. you're hunger at a young age, and you had a ton of crap going on in your life. You weren't stable at all. You were still hungry. How does someone upgrade their identity? If someone's down and and down bad, and they're beating themselves up, and they're telling themselves they're not worth it or they're not good enough, how do, like what's your advice? How does yeah, someone get yeah. out of that funk? How do they upgrade their identity? Yeah. So let me hit you with two concepts. First thing is you are not who you are. You are who you're born to be. So think of it this way. You say, no, I am who I am. Okay, check this out. Have you ever looked at a picture when you were seven years old? You're like, you're like your mom shows you a picture, like, oh, from a scrapbook or something. You're like, oh, my gosh, that was me at seven. Was that who you were? Of course. But is that who you were born to be? No, that was just you at seven. You look at a picture when you were 17. You're like, oh, I was kind of a punk kid in high school, like whatever. That was who you were, but that's not who you were born to be. That's not who you actually were. 27, same thing. 30, like, you look back and you're like, that's who I was, but that's not who I was. That's that was just a, 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 a in a continuum. That's who I was at that moment. So good, you know. So it's my potential is who I'm born to be. That's the first thing. Second thing is this: you are not what you did, but you are what you repeatedly do. So in other words, you are not your mistakes. You're not the things that you've done wrong, but you are the habits and patterns and routines. You know, Aristotle says excellence is not an act; it's a habit. He says, therefore, we are what we repeatedly do. So one of the things we want to do with our identity is you start casting out a vision of who, who was I born to be. Tell people, create your future with your future, not your past. So in other words, don't create your future with the past mistakes. Create your future with the future vision you have of yourself. So you start casting out a vision of here's who I want to be. Here's who I was born to be. Here's the life I want to, to go step into. Create your future with that vision, not your past. Just create your future with your future, not your past. I tell a story in the book about a buddy of mine out in Southern California, one of the sweetest guys I've ever met. His name's Jaime Molina. So Jaime is a devoted husband to his beautiful wife, Ramona, four beautiful daughters, works in the financial services industry. Uh, one of the things he does to give back to the community, he works with the troubled youth, right? So one of the days he tells his kids about a guy named E9400. So E9400 was born in the, the border town of Texas, El Paso, border with Mexico. Uh, at age eight, this little boy was given alcohol and became proficient and regular, was consuming alcohol. At age nine, this little boy was sexually molested by someone 23 years older than Sheesh. him. As a nine-year-old little boy became sexually active. At 14, was on hard drugs. At 15, became a mule for the cartels. At 22, 
was uh, sentenced with 11 uh, felonies to San Quentin, one of the worst uh, you know, uh, jails Prison. and prisons in yeah. America. So he says to these kids, what do you think happened to E9400? You know, like, is he strung out on drugs? Is he living his best life? Is he dead? Is he with the cartels? Is he an alcoholic? Like, what do you think happened? And I think all of us, if we're like looking at the background, like, ooh, yikes. So one day he says to the kids, he goes, hey, I have a special guest for you today. He said, uh, you guys remember I told you the story about E9400? He goes, he's out in the hallway. And the kids are like, man, this kid at age eight was yeah. on alcohol, nine was sexually molested, uh, 14's on hard drugs, 15's a mule, is serving in San Quentin. Like, what happened to this guy? We're going to meet him. So Jaime goes, one, one moment, walks out there, opens the door, walks in the hallway. A minute or so later, he comes back in, but the door shuts behind him, and, and Jaime walks to the front. There's just him. He walks to the front of the room, and he says, I am E9400. Oh, cold chills. He said, E9400 was my identity. It was his prison identification at San Quentin. So for many years of Jaime's life, he wasn't Jaime Molina. He was E9400. That was his identification. That was his identity. Yeah. Jaime was not born to be E9400. He was born to be Jaime Molina. So you're not who you are. You are who you're born to be, and you are not what you did. Jaime wasn't those mistakes. He was this incredible husband to Ramona. He was this devoted father to these beautiful daughters. He was this good businessman in the financial service industry. He's a man that gives back to his community. He's super devout in his Catholic faith. So that's who Jaime was born to be. So you start creating your future with your future, not your past. And then you say this, what habits, routines, and patterns does that person do? So I'll give you an example. Let's use sales as an example. If you're in sales and someone next to you, I'll make up the numbers. You'll know these numbers better. Let's say someone next to you sells 100 accounts a summer, 100 accounts a year, yeah. and you sell 30. Cool. What are the habits, routines, and patterns of the, of the person selling 100? Like you start to be them. <laughs> in other words, you act as Dude, if I, you're them. I tell guys, I'm like, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. That's right. Like you think there's some special thing out there. I'm like, just look at the top one percenters. Look at the one percenters and then model. And then just mimic, just copy what they yes. do. That's all model I Model the habits, model the patterns, model the routines. You're, you will be what you repeatedly do over time. And so one of the best ways to update the identity is you update the identity with the vision, but then you start saying, I'm going to be like, I'll give you an example. If I want to lose 10 pounds, because people are like, I don't want to fake it till I make it. Listen, if you want to lose 10 pounds, guess what you do? You start doing the things that someone 10 pounds less than you does, do them today, and over time you'll step into 10 pounds less. Look at food the way that someone 10 pounds less than you looks at food, like the relationship. Yeah. Uh, eat the same calories that someone 10 pounds less than you eats. Walk or exercise the way they do. Lift weights or exercise the way they do. If you start doing those things today, it's inevitable you'll step into the 10 pounds less. If I want to have more money in my bank account, I want to have a, a dollar amount in my bank account or in my investment portfolio, right? Find someone that has that and start doing the habits, patterns, routine. Look at money. When money comes in, allocate it the way that they do. Instead of going and spending it and buying a bunch of stuff to make yourself feel better, like just start investing the way they do. You start to be the one today, be the person that does those steps today, and you will literally be that person. You'll step into I, that version. I think where people struggle with this is they don't have the courage to go and put themselves in the situation in front of those people and even ask. I, I really think that's where people struggle a little bit, and you realize pretty quick People that are successful and are doing things at a, at a high level, dude, how much do they love to help? It's like it's like my son this last week. Oh, it's that hunger. Listen, I tell people you can't teach hunger, you can't teach hustle, and you can't teach heart. It's like an athlete. An athlete, you can teach skills, teach them how to shoot, teach them how to hit, teach them how to catch. Yeah. 
but you can't teach their heart. You know, you can't teach them diving on the floor into the stands. You can't teach that hustle where they, you watch the Jordan documentary. The Jordan documentary has him outrunning everyone on ladders. <laughs> so he's the great, he's not just the best player insane. on the team. He's yeah. not just the best player in the league. He's not just the best player in the world. He's the hardest worker. He's the GOAT of all time, and yeah. he's at work on everybody. They said that his practices, they said games were easy. They said when we play the games, it was like, it was like a night off because practices were so intense. That's hard. That's hustle. That's just that, yeah. that grit, right? And then you can't teach you can't teach hunger. Just people that are hungry to win. You know, there's hungry. And people that are successful oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes have those characteristics and when they see it in other people, they want to help. But here's what I'll also share with you, Mitch. Check this out. You don't have to go call a billionaire guy to get this advice. No. Listen, <laughs> we have so much information on our in our hand. YouTube. Oh, my gosh. If you're hungry, you can go get the information. Yes. Leaders run to the information. They There's don't books, wait for it to find them. Books. That's There's right. Everything is... Your book is, oh my gosh, you start talking vision. I, I love identity vision. Like I think it, so much of it stems back to, to those two things. Yeah. To, to develop hunger. Keep going, I'm just going to get my jacket Yeah, off. you're good. To, to develop the hunger and obsession to go and, and want to be those things. And you talk about the 3D vision. Yeah. I freaking loved this, by the way. Yeah, like I, you. Dude, I loved it. Explain the 3D yeah. vision. Well, let's, let's answer this question first. Why is a vision so important? So if you're listening to this right now and you're a dad, or you're listening to this right now and you're a mom, or you're listening to this right now and you run a sales team, or you're looking to take your life to that next level, right? Why is a vision so important? Why, like, who cares? There's a vision answers a question that we all have, and that's anyone that's following us has, a spouse has it. If the marriage is challenged right now, if you're going through a challenging time in your marriage, your spouse is asking this question. If your 15-year-old son or daughter is strung out on, and they're addicted right now, they're asking this question. Whenever you go through challenge, you, they're asking the question, will it always be this way? When your sales team is struggling, your business is struggling, revenue is down, everyone's, all the employees are basically asking, like, Yo, is it always going to be this way? Because if, if, if it's always going to be this way, then I'm going to make different decisions. If a marriage is you know, going through some challenging times, if it's always going to be this way, then we're going to make different decisions. If it's like, no, there's a vision. So there's, there's like, we're going to get through this. Like the best days are ahead. We're going to overcome this. You cast some vision. Like guys, we're going to make it through this. You tell that, that 15 year old that's struggling with, with addiction issues, say, listen, you're, you're not what you did. You are what you repeatedly do. You got this. Like your best days are ahead of you. Like you, we're going to pull through this. All of a sudden, like you cast some hope, you give hope and vision. Uh, so that's the first thing. It's so important as a leader. Uh, Napoleon said, "Leaders are dealers in hope." In other words, in other words, leaders are dealer in vision. <laughs> They're so casting this. And this goes back so far, like in Proverbs in the Bible. Yes. Like they, yes. Where those where there's no vision, the people perish. Yes. And that's business. That's I relationships. People, I that's everything. I think people think if there's no vision, I'm screwed. No, no, no. It's not you. It's where there is no vision, the people. It's all these people that you would influence with your business. All these people, you know, your kids are affected if you don't have a vision. The home with a dad with no vision, the home's affected. Like you've got yeah. it, you've got to have a vision. So the 3D vision for me is is a way to look at it from all angles. And it's a way to create a vision that actually really moves you towards the vision, right? Really start kind of get you going. So the first thing is you have to define the vision. We talked about Brendan Burchard saying, What's your latest dream? What's your latest goal? And like it's defined. So I have exercises in the book, right? Yeah, Practical exercises that help you to be like, what what it should be on the tip of your tongue? What am I working on right now? You shouldn't have someone say, What are you working on? And you're kind of like, um, well. Uh, huh, that's an interesting question. Like, like, what, what do you I? really want? Why yeah, are you working yes. on it? What do you, it's yeah, the what want. fires you That's up. right. So most people start with the how, 
you know, uh, the, I teach a formula, by the way, I'll make this quick. The, the formula is, heck, how do I motivate my team? How do I get motivated? You know, how do I succeed? How's the wrong question? The right question is what? What does success look like for you? What does winning look like for you? What are you looking to achieve? The what question is what we got to figure out. What do you want? What are you looking yeah. to do? You can figure out the what and the why. The next one is the why. Yep. What do you want? Why do you want it? I go seven levels deep on why. Once I have that, the Don't how, that we too. can get to the how. The how is easy. You know, one of the great questions you want to ask on how, by the way, is if I had to do it, what would I do? So the if question lets your brain off the hook because your brain cannot not answer a question. Your brain will answer whatever question you ask. So if I say to you, are you tall or short? Are you fast or slow? Would you rather read a book or watch a movie? Would you rather stay home or uh, travel? Did you answer every question I just asked you? Yeah. In your yeah. mind? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like that. So did everyone listening. Yeah. Your brain cannot not answer a question. So you say, if, let your brain off the hook, not saying I'm going to do it, but if I were, if I had to do it, what would I do? The reason the word had is so powerful is because the word had raises necessity. So most people live in the world of like, they'd be cool too. That'd be cool. It'd be cool to make a hundred grand. It'd be cool to, you know, buy a house. It'd be cool to, you know, make a million dollars, whatever, whatever their, their goal is. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be nice. I hope to one day. That'd be cool. No, no, no. Hope and had or want to, and it'd be nice to, and that'd be cool if I did. That's not going to move you. If I had to do it, what would I do? Raise necessity into half. So check this out. There's two ways to do it. Positive would be, so imagine one of your sales, sales reps, if they had to sell a hundred accounts this summer. They had to, not like wanted to. They had not to. Not an option. They had, yeah, they had to. And they get all the normal commissions, they get all the normal recognition, they get all the normal accolades. But the government says if you hit that this year, uh, just just so happens this year, there's a bonus that you'll make fifty million dollars. All of a sudden, they're like, "Yo, I'm going to figure this out." <laughs> yeah, right? This just got real. Why? Because you raised the reward high enough, right? Okay. Next is a negative. Negative would be if you the government said if you don't hit your hundred counts. You're going to lose your house, your car, and uh, your kids will be kidnapped. You'll never see them again. You're like, yo, oh my gosh, I got to figure this out. So fear of loss, motivation to gain. You can, mm-hmm. you can, you can tap into both. Let's go back to the vision. You, de- you define it. You got to know what you're looking to accomplish, right? Like define the dream, define the goal. What is it that motivates you? Why are you fired up? What's going to wake you up early? What's going to wake you up late? When you define the vision, a vision or a dream should, should it should wake you up early like it's fuel it's like fuel for your soul you know and big dreams or small dreams don't inspire big people you got to have fuel next thing is you declare it you declare the vision so you don't want to keep dreams a secret because you if you do what will happen is you'll 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 rely on your own uh, personal motivation your own personal yeah. integrity and you want to know what's sad is we'll let ourselves down when we wouldn't let – we'll do things for other people we wouldn't do for ourselves. Yeah. It's just but the natural man. It's the natural man, dude. Like I tell this kind of a silly story in the book. I did a men's physique show uh, like, seven like years this. ago, you know. And I was just – I was winning in all areas of my life. I think that year my business did, you know, $120 million in revenue. So business going good. Marriage is great. Faith, good. faith is good. Family's great. Kids are just awesome. And I look in the mirror one day. I was like, what the hell is this? You know, it's like, <laughs> what's happened? And it's kind of subtle. But then one day you're like, no, no, no. It's like so below my standard of what I wanted my fitness to look like, right? And so it just like shocked me enough to be like, that's so below my standard. I got to get going. Went and hired a coach. I set a goal to do a men's physique show. I could care less about the stuff other than I needed the goal. 
uh, hired a buddy of mine to be the coach, did all the nutrition. My brother says to me, he goes, what are you doing? I told him, he goes, I'll do it with you. And I'm like, I remember thinking, it doesn't matter if you're doing it or not. I'm going to do this either way. But I go, cool, let's do it. So he does it with me. I did a big social media post. I said, hey, listen, I'm going to make a big change. I'm going to do this thing. I documented the whole journey. Uh, people could, you know, uh, would do weekly updates. So anyway, I'm like, I'm the kind of person like, yo, if I'm in, I'm in. Let's go, right? I thought I'd made the decision. Yeah. I'm in. There's a, however far into it, my uh, it's a Sunday night. We have Sunday dinner. And I'm eating my like broccoli and tilapia or whatever. It's just terrible. Everyone else is eating a normal <laughs> dinner, you know? And that <laughs> night, my cute little girl. So this would have been, this would have been, Seven years ago, they'd have been seven years old and four years old, these cute little girls. And they made cookies, like handmade cookies, right? So it's just super cute. The cookies somehow taste better if your little girls make them. And uh, everyone went to bed that night. I was kind of locking up the house, turning off the lights. And I see this plate of cookies. I hadn't had any, right? It wasn't on my, wasn't on my nutrition plan. And I look at this plate and I think to myself, man, those cookies look good and they smell good, you know? <laughs> Plus my girls made them so I can, you know, it's, it's all lot, good. Yeah, the calories don't count if your justification girls Justification kicks in. Totally. And I thought I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a couple cookies, no big deal. By the way, I've been eating tilapia and asparagus. I'm like I'm yeah. good. You know, I deserve it. I'll go I harder. I deserve it. I'll go here. I'll hit the cardio harder. Yeah, it's all. Always. By the way, most importantly, no one will know. No one will know. The only person that would know is me. And I thought, no big deal. I can I can forgive myself. I can yeah. I can go harder at the gym. And then my my integrity for my word kicked in. All those people I told on social media, my brother, I told him, yo, I'm going to hit this. My trainer, I told him, my, my, my wife and my kids, I said, daddy's going to do this and I want you to watch. I wouldn't let them down. So I'd let myself down. I wouldn't let them down. And so I didn't do it. Why? Why? Because I declared the vision. If I wouldn't have declared it, if I would have just kind of kept it to myself, I would have eaten the cookies too. Yeah. So you want to declare this stuff. You want to let the people know about the dream, know about the goal. And you say, what if people are haters? You're going to have some haters. Listen, you want to convert the hurt when they hate on you to fuel. Let it let it guarantee your future. Let it drive your future. Let it drive your dreams, right? And then the last one is uh, you want to dedicate yourself to it. So there's no lukewarm winners. You know, you're either in or you're out. If you're on, be on. If you're out, be out. But there's no lukewarm winners. Like you have Kobe. Listen. <laughs> and there's no shortcuts, too. No shortcuts, dude. You got to go pay the price. No dedicate yourself to it. Yeah. Go make it happen. Go pay the price. You know, if you're going to be great at it, if you're going to go get in shape, if you're going to go uh, build a business or build a sales team or the career or the real estate empire, listen, go dedicate yourself to it. Become the best at it. Get in the 1% and go crush and, it. And you talk about this. You talk about dreaming big. And I love it because I love guys that dream big and that, that talk a big game. And and you follow it up. You say it a lot, but you say the bigger the dream, then what? Bigger the struggle. Bigger the struggle. Yeah, so there's three sections to the process. So right? good. Dream, struggle, victory. So if you have, you get to sign up for it. This is what's so interesting about life. If you want a big dream, it's all good. You just signed up for a struggle that's equal to, or commensurate. People to the need size. to understand that. Like, yeah. don't tell me you want to go make this or yes. buy this car. Or, yes. Or do X, Y, Z when it's a big goal. Yes. And then you. One little struggle pops up. Yeah. And Someone says you "fool" and you're toast. <laughs> yeah. Listen, there's two th two questions you want to ask yourself. Uh, you want to you want to or two two statements, two two ways you want to look at it. Define your dream. We talked about that earlier. Define yeah. it and then make a commitment. So most people have a ten dream and a two commitment. You want those to be equal. You know, if if you sign up for a ten dream, you're signed up for a ten struggle, a struggle that's equal to, and then a victory equal to the size of the struggle. What most of us want is 10 dreams, two commitments, and then 10, 10 victories. victories. It's just not how it works. 
Yeah. That's uh, the 3D vision is hit home with me. Oh, so glad to hear that. Yeah. And doing the practice. Yeah. So glad to hear that. I do. I, I've made vision boards and I've done things, but going through that and then, yeah, declaring is a big, that's a big thing. Yes. And I've done that. I've actually done that. I started looking. Like I tell people what yes. I wanted in yes. life and why yes. I wanted it. Yes. And that's what tell your me. wife. Tell your friends. Tell people that when you see them, they say, hey, Mitch, how's how's that thing coming? That that accountability that you know that you're going to see them at the gym or you're going to see them at the wedding reception or you're going to see them at the game or you're going to see them on the streets, that's going to burn a little fire in your butt to make sure that when you see them, you got something to say. Yeah, you know? for sure. Another thing, I mean, dude, I just love your content. Like, if you're not following Justin on Instagram, you're missing out or in social media. Appreciate it, bro. It's so good. One thing, and I almost made a personal post about this because I, I feel I, I, I'm very conscientious about it. You talk about two races mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of success. Yeah. And the first race is what the world, and it's easy to get caught up in, is the worldly things. Yeah. It's the money, it's the cars, yep. it's the houses. And then you talk about the real race, yeah. Which, yeah, really hit home and and what really matters, yeah. What's that to yeah, you? Yeah, there's things that matter and there's things that really matter. Yeah. So winning in business matters. It's awesome. You know, winning in in you know adding value on social media. Good for you. Like building yeah. your social media account, building your real estate portfolio. I'm all about it. But the real race, the things that really matter, are your relationship with your faith, your relationship with your family, your relationship with your your marriage, your the way you go about treating people, like the way you go about doing it. And if you win the first race, you get all the stuff and you lose the second race, you actually lost both races. The second race is the real race. Now, here's the second part, though. People say, you know, I am not successful, but at least I'm spiritual. Like, in other words, I don't need money because I'm so spiritual. I say, listen, I say, your gifts and talents weren't given to you for you. Your gifts and talents were given to you for the rest of us. So you can win both races. You can keep all your morals, values, and principles intact. You can you can treat people the right way. You don't have to stomp on everybody. And you can win the first race and go build whatever life you want to go build. Yeah, because so often there's there's the haters that view people who make money that you can't do both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this huge They're, they're worldly. They have a nice car. That's they're right. worldly. It's 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 the it's what's called the genius of and. So it's not an or. It's an and. It's not like you're rich, but you're you know you're a dirt ball, or you're really sweet and spiritual, but you're poor. Yeah. No, listen, you can have both. Um, <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. Um, I'll share I'll share a genius of Anne with you. So I was I was probably 17 years old, and like spiritual stuff, faith, religion, spiritual stuff. I don't know, dude. I just didn't relate to it. I played football, played basketball. I like was thinking about girls all the time. You know, I was just hanging out with my friends. Like I just was not, I just like, I thought it was like the nerds that did all this stuff. Yeah. I, was like, I don't get it. And I remember I met some different people that they were really successful and really freaking awesome and really cool. And they were really spiritual. Like they had a deep spiritual connection too. And I remember thinking to myself, this sounds so stupid now, but I remember being like, you can do both. Like you can like light people up on the football field. I used to box, you know, like you can like, <laughs> Be cool and like and have that softer side and be spiritual and, and like care spiritual. about people and like yeah. whatever. I was like, oh, you can be both. You don't have to be like a nerd. And then also, I was like, you can do both. I, I want to be both. And the same logic flow is same with building success in your life. Listen, uh, money is neutral, so money's not bad or good. It's just neutral. In fact, I think money probably is like, why do you guys bring me into this all the time? I'm just neutral. I don't really you don't care. 
money's an amplifier. If you're a dirtball and you get more cash, you'll be a bigger dirtball. Yeah. If you're a great person with a great servant heart and you love to you love people, you'll serve at a higher level with more cash. So so money itself amplifies. So you really want to cleanse the soul, right? Look in your soul and be like, yo, I'm gonna go chase this thing down and go make it happen. And so I can add more value to more people. I can serve more people and serve hopefully the, you know, the greater good. Uh, I talked about the the rule of 33 in the book. So, yeah. you know, t- sometimes people are like, you're you're like the five people you surround yourself with most. You know, it's probably, it's good. It's good conceptual advice, but you're not always with five people that you want to hang out with most. Yeah. So rule of 33 would be proactively spend time with people 33% that are ahead of you. They're crushing the game higher than you are. They like lift your vision. They like pull you up the hill, right? There are people that are making more than you. Their marriage is better than yours. They're in better shape than you. You you can't get around those kinds of people and not kind of have them pull you up a yeah. little bit. You're just kind of like, man, they think of it different. It just kind of yeah. makes your mind go different. They're eating food different than I eat. And they're more dialed in than I. It just kind of fires you. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. dang, I want to kind of step it up. Then 33% of people that are basically your size, right? Meaning they're make, you're making 100, they're making 100. You're making 60, they make 62. Uh, they have two kids. You have two kids. They're married. You're married. They're like they're kind of living life that you're living. You guys can add value to each other, hold each other accountable. You can cry together, laugh together, hang out together. Like you're you're on the similar spots of the journey. And then 33% of people that are in essence below you on the journey, not below you as a human, but like they're coming up. Maybe maybe they look up to you. Maybe they want some of your insights. Maybe somebody they want some of your perspectives because there's so much value not in the learning. There's value in the teaching. Because when you teach stuff, you internalize stuff. When you internalize stuff, you own stuff. It becomes yours because you actually internalize this like, you know, I'm going to teach these principles. You have to really know your stuff to be able to teach it. And you got to live it. For sure. Yeah, the it's best. the best, and not live it. Yeah, there's a St. Francis Assisi was this, this Catholic saint. And he had the famous kind of line. He says, teach love, teach compassion, teach mercy. And he said, and if you have to, but only if you absolutely have to, use words. And so the best way to live your life is to teach motivation, to teach, you know, kindness, to teach fire, to teach hunger, to teach uh, compassion. But if, and if you have to, but only if you absolutely have to use words. Wow. That's good. Just by your actions. What fires you up? Like what, what gets you, what gets you out of bed? What, what motivates you? Yeah. So I have, I have a, a lot of things. Um, I, I, I've had a lot happen in my career here in the last number of months. And so I'm, I'm you know, that, I think that's, that's, that's a, that's a, that's definitely, you know, this next 20 year run, you know, I've got a lot of fire for this next 20 year run. And I'll stop you right there. And we don't need to get into the details, but one of my, my boss, my CEO, he's a, he's the man, definitely a mentor, but he talks about a villain and how something that went wrong or a doubt or a hater, you can, you can channel that. For sure. So listen, like you can channel that. Here's been my thoughts. Here's been my thoughts. This has been my experience. Uh, if you watch Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame acceptance speech, so again, not only are you in the Hall of Fame, but you're the best that ever did it. You're Michael Jordan, right? He talks. It was this. It's kind of a strange or insightful or whatever way you want to look at it. Speech. He talks about people from junior high school that slighted him. You're talking about Brian Russell from the Utah Jazz. He's still holding on to stuff. You're like, bro, you are the man. You can let this stuff go at this point. But he says that they threw logs on his fire. And my observation of Jordan, never met Jordan. I'd, I'd actually love to have dinner with him just to like, you know, just to 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 dig into this. But my observation is some of that 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 resentment ate him up. 
it like it still eats at him. It eats yeah. him up somehow. You know, he's so hyper competitive. It's almost like crossed over, not almost, it's crossed over into just it's like an unhealthy spot, right? Yeah. So here's what I'd share with you. Uh your your when you get a villain, you get uh betrayed, you get hated on, you go through pain, you go through like through the real deep pain. Again, whether it's a divorce or someone does you wrong in business or someone says something or does something, you can use that. Uh, is motivation, but it burns like gunpowder. It burns really hot and it burns really fast. So you won't, I would recommend not trying to build a whole life on that kind of, yeah. that kind of revenge. Uh, the, the great, uh, if you've ever seen the show, the count of Monte Cristo. So it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's obviously one of the great literary classics of all time, but you know, here's this really sweet man and he's betrayed by his best friend. His best friend takes his, his girl. So, I mean, it's like, it's like all the layers of the worst that could happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Put into this just god-awful dungeon prison. He's beaten. He finally escapes. Um, he meets a priest in there that teaches him about mercy. But he says, I don't want mercy. I want revenge. Gets out. Um, has all the money. The priest shows him where all the money is. So he has now he becomes rich. So now he has all that power, right? And his he's motivated by revenge. But as the movie progresses, he, he basically gets everything he wanted but he still had the revenge. And by the, as the movie progresses, he ultimately gets into like legacy, That's like all cool. this other really matter. So you want, in my opinion, it's dreams and goals and mission and legacy. That's the stuff that burns long-term. That's stuff that will burn. That's the stuff that burns me, by the way. You say, wait, 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 it's that stuff. It's like, it's like, you know, I tell in the book, you want to be urgent. Uh, Marcus Aurelius says memento mori, which basically meant meditate on mortality. He said you could leave life right now, let it determine what you do, say, and think. So in other words, you got to get after this thing. <laughs> you know, my favorite Kobe Bryant quote, you know, you have, you have Kobe in here. My favorite Kobe Bryant quote of all time, he says, the biggest mistake we make in life is believing we have time. And I remember when he passed, he and his, his daughter and, and uh, the other people that were on the helicopter, it was like, it was surreal because he was, he was almost immoral in a way. He was he was like Superman. He was he was the Black Mamba. He was too. Yeah, it was untouchable. He was untouchable. It was untouchable. And all of a sudden he's gone. No one believed it. Bam! That fast, right? You could leave life right now. Let it determine what you do, say, and think. So it's it's like the big. It's like you want to go. You got a song to sing. You better go sing it. You got a book to write. You better go write it. Podcast to launch. Better go launch it. You got a business to start. You better go start it. You got a for uh, an apology to say. Better go say it. You got to live life with more urgency. We're too casual. You know, we just think that we got tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Listen, you don't know how long you got. You could leave life right now. Let it determine what you do, say, and think. Meditate on mortality. Remember, you're going to die, and you've got to live with more urgency. So that's the stuff that's firing me up right now is just the legacy and the passion. And look, uh, you know, I've got some, <laughs> I got some logs thrown on the fire right now, but yeah, but I, I, I don't need too many logs. I've got, I've got the, it burns pretty bright Such, anyway. You know, it's good perspective, very good perspective in. And how a villain, as, as I've thought about that, it's been like, I've had like one year villains, you know, it definitely isn't the long term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll burn for a short time. Yeah, it burns period. for a short time. Yeah. It fires you up. But yeah, really, what's going to keep you going? That's right. That's right. Is your vision. What What keeps you going when you succeed? That's one of the questions you want to ask yourself. Like, like yeah, that's, most that's people. Legacy. Get, that's legacy. That's, most people get bought out. Yep. They make a they make 75 grand. They're just like chilling, dude. They make 150 grand. They're chilling. They make 500 grand. They're they just they make ten million. They're just like I'm good. Make a hundred. Like when when do you lose it? When do you lose it? There's some people that are just wired. They're like I don't. It's not ever going away. Not just because I need more. It's not just the 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 myth of more. It's not just I need more cash or it's legacy. I want to add more value. I want to serve more people. Like I want to show up at a higher level. 
And I want to be the, I literally want to be the best version of myself and be the one I was born to be. Here's a question that I've struggled with. So say you set these bars and these goals, big goals, and you hit them, but you just keep raising your bar. Like these like top performers and one percenters, it's almost like they're never satisfied, right? I have a, a business coach and I, I'm asking this, like when, when's enough enough? Like when, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, of course. To, and, and tell me your opinion on this, to, to dominate in business in my opinion, you gotta you gotta be unbalanced a little bit, right? You gotta communicate with your loved ones, but you definitely gotta go more all in yeah. at times to give yourself a chance to to be a one percenter yeah. in that field, right? And I look at like Steve Jobs on his deathbed. What did Steve Jobs say? Yeah, I, I can't quote it specifically, but basically I think he basically said, um, don't miss the moments. <laughs> you know, yeah, words, like, like like the yeah. accolades, the cars, yeah, yeah. like none of that stuff matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a second race. Like it's a second race, right? He's like the relationships is, is what matters. So what, what's your advice if someone that – like how do you slow down? Like how yeah. do you how do, you do there's it? There's seasons in life. There's seasons. Uh, there's seasons. So there's like a time and a season for things. Um, there's seasons when you got to go freaking all in. You just got to – you got to like – you got to enlist the kids, enlist your spouse. Hey, baby, listen. Kids, sit down. I've done this. Daddy's got a crank for these next little bit. Um, we set some goals together. So cool. So it's a family business versus my business. Yes. They're not resentful on the phone. They're like, yo, dad, go freaking make it happen. Like it's, it's a fa- they're, they're in the fight, in the journey. You're teaching and it me it comes to back to the vision too. That's right. Like you're, you're setting that, vision. That's what you're doing. That's right. That's exactly like you're right. literally saying this is why. That's exactly right. That's like exactly it's, right. It's why? It. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Why are What's we? This is why I'm That's doing right. this, and you're communicating. That's right. And it's theirs. It's a, it's a it's a shared vision. So listen. Yes. People support what they help create. So if you're building a sales team, don't just go, guys. Here's the vision. Let's go. No, 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 no. People support what they help create. In enlist your team in the vision craft a vision that's a team's vision, not just your vision. Now you can guide it and mold yeah. it and shape it. But listen, they're not going to buy into your vision. They're going to buy into the team's vision, to their vision, their goals, their dreams, like our, what we can do together. And so that's, you know, you tap into that as a family, Good. you know? So you say there's seasons. Yeah, there's seasons. And so first thing is, is that, you know, you know, the times and seasons to go all in, there's times and seasons you need to really focus on that, that child that's kind of like starting to like, oh, you got to like, you got to, you got to, you got to be there for that stuff, you know? And here's, here's my overall thing though. Anyone... When you hear this and they say, when's enough enough? You know, how many dollars is enough dollars? I think it's the wrong question. I think it's the wrong question. It's like Jim Rohn says, if you can do more, should you? So if you could serve people at a higher level, should you? If you could love more, should you? Like when's enough enough? Like when's like enough of love isn't? No, 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 no. Like it's powerful. Could you serve? It's like you take care of yourself. You take care of like you and your spouse. You take care of you and the two or three kids but you could do more. Yeah. Like you've taken care of them. Could you do more? You take care of like, you know, family for Christmas or you take care of someone's Thanksgiving or you, are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. If you could do more, should you? And so it's more about service to many leads to greatness. And to me, you know, check this out. This is an interesting paradigm for where we're at today in our society. Today, they would say it's the Lambo, it's the Rolex, it's the cash, it's the Instagram following. It's how many girls you get, whatever. Whatever the status symbol would be. Okay. What I would say to you is service to many leads to greatness, right? So it's a different philosophy. So the we all want to be a superhero, right? The hero to our family, the hero to our business, hero to, our, to ourselves, the hero to, to the girl, to the guy, you know, hero to our kids. 
the word hero comes from the Latin. It comes from the word servo. So the hero is the servo. The servo is the literal transition translation to servant. So the greatest among you is not the one that, like back in um, ancient times with, like in Egypt, they would carry the king or the queen. They would carry him on their shoulders and march him in. Yeah. So the, they were above everyone else. Mm-hmm. The servant, the greatest, is actually the one that goes down and serves the people, adds the value, and supports the people, walks slowly through the crowd. That's who, that's, that's the goal. So if you can do more, and serve more people should you. If the business, if cash isn't your issue anymore, that's not like your burning desire anymore because you've kind of figured that out, cool. How do you serve and show up at a higher level? You know, is there more people you can serve? Is there more value that you can that's add? Good. That's that's kind of how I look at it. And, and and my answer is that there's never enough of that. Like, yeah, you, you can do more. You can't answer that. Yeah, if say... you can go serve more people, then go serve them. If you can love more people, go love them. If you can add more value, go add it. Like, yeah, Grant Cardone says some crazy stuff. I just saw recently, which I really agreed with this, talking about money and serving and impacting. It's like if you could do more and had the ability to do so. Yes. Like, why would you not? Yeah, yeah, for you sure. Know? For Maybe, sure. And of course, with your ducks in the row, with your family and your your standards and priorities, yeah, and your so faith and all that. For sure. It's for not sure. Leaving, you can't leave that to the side. For sure. But. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's like I live by I live by two philosophies growing up, you know, in my career. The first one is it's not what you get. It's about who you become in the process. So it's not, it's not about the cash. It's about who you become, right? Who are you? Who, what, did, what did that pursuit turn you into? And you want to beware of what you become in the process, right? So is the, beware of who you become in the process too. Is you're chasing it and you're so focused on it. You've got to be, beware of what you're yeah. becoming. And the second philosophy for me was to always do more than you're paid for as an investment in your future. So – Always is an interesting word. Always is not like occasionally or when it's, it's strong. It's a strong word. That's a powerful. That's an like always. Always. Word. Yeah, always, always is always, right? Yeah. So you always don't do what you're paid for. You do more. Most people don't even do what they're paid for. Right? Like they you, try to you, cut corners. Listen, you, to... you work with sales. You work with teams. Is everyone doing what they're paid for? No, they're like they're. They're, they're not giving it their all that day. They're not doing what they're paid for. They're doing less than they're paid for, yeah. right? They're showing up late, bad attitude. You know, they're supposed to knock 20 doors. They knock, you know, three. Yep. No, okay. Do So always do not just what you're paid for, but do more. Don't knock 20, knock 25, right? You do more than you're paid for. Why? As an investment in your future. In other words, you're investing in the person you're born to be. That's what you're doing. You're taking that time and investing in this person you're born to be. You you were born to be the one that future generations look up and they say it was him. And as you do that, as you do that, like what comes to mind is just how things will compound. I just think as you as you do that over and over again, I mean Kobe Bryant. That's he talked about in his speech. It's one of my favorite speeches that's ever been given. It, it was the early mornings. Yeah, it was the late nights. So check this out. I I, I recently uh, was asked to uh, to work with the youth in the like eleven to twelve to thirteen year old youth in my church. Right, these are like these young boys. My son's in it. Nice. Like this little group. And so, like, I, 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 I work with them on Sundays, but then we have activities throughout the week. So I work with these young, these young boys. And we had an activity the other day where it was a combined activity where they had all of the boys. So this is from, like, 11 to 18, let's call it, right? And we're at, we're at a neighbor's house. The guy's been successful. He's got a beautiful home. He's got a basketball court and then uh, inside the house. And then next to the basketball court, he has, like, a little play area. And then next to that was this little tiny gym. Kind of, He's not a huge lifter. But it had like a a, a a squat rack that he had a bench and then like an elliptical machine, something like yeah. that, and some dumbbells. Anyway, I go in there, and I see these boys in there. Uh, they were like 
15, 16, 17, and they were bench pressing, right? And it was just, it, I don't know, I just kind of gravitated, gravitated to these kids, you know? That. And uh, they were like doing 135 pounds, and then like they would all see if they could do it. And then they'd do 145, they're adding five or 10 pounds yeah. each time. They, they got up to, after the very, very end, the, the main kid got up to 175 pounds, got it and just, just powered through it and got it up, you know, and there's all the testosterone, like, who's the strongest, you know? And I'm wearing, I was like wearing a jacket like, like it was today. And they go, can you do it? Can you lift this? And uh, I go, let me see, you know, lay down and just, <laughs> just, 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 just eat with a jacket on, yeah. just, just wrap it out probably 20 times. They're like, what? What? No. And the kids, he, he, I get up and he goes, dude, he's got old man strength, you know? Anyway, so they start stacking more weights on. They go, can you do this? I think they stacked on about 225 pounds. And I just, yeah. you know, ripped it off a bunch of times. So by now, they're like, put all the weights on. And the weight set the guy had bought, he's not a huge lifter. The weight set he bought was 300 pounds. All the weights in the whole room was 300 pounds. The two and a halfs are going on, the whole thing, right? And by this point, all the boys have come in this little room or they're watching. There's all a, the leaders crowd are, are coming in. So I take off my jacket. I was like, all right, let's do this. So I go <laughs> down and, and, you know, crank it out a couple of times. And they're just like, no way, this is crazy. Okay, so check this out. There's, I've worked out for 20, four to five days a week for 28 years in a row. I haven't missed for 28 years. Your consistency compounds. And what used to be heavy to me is light to me, not because the weight's changed, but because I've gotten stronger, I've gotten better. So you say, you know, be, you're not who you are, you're who you were born to be. Listen, I remember when 135 pounds would, would have crushed me yeah. on a bench press. I remember when 175, I would just would have smashed me. Well, now you can get down and you can just knock it out. Why? Did the weight change? No. I'm I'm not the person I was. I was the person I was born to be. So you grow into the strength, right? And it was it was an interesting lesson for me with these kids. And I'm, I hope that those kids look at it like, yo, guys, this is what happens when you work out for 28 years in a row. It's not just old man strength. There's other old men that don't can't do it. It's the consistency of the habits and the patterns and the routines to where you can get stronger over time. Not that the weight changes, but that you're better over time. Yeah, weightlifting was one of my questions is why is like health important to you and, and lifting weights? And to me, there's so many life lessons in it because yeah. it sucks. Like there's there's points that that weightlifting... Oh, that ring. Hold on. oh, it's right below you. No, you're good. There's points that are hard and it sucks. For and sure. And just like most things in business and in life, as you work on it and you put the time and attention and you're consistent and all of a sudden you start getting good at it, and you start doing more, it becomes fun. It becomes yeah. an obsession. Yeah, of course. And then it compounds. And I tell guys like in recruiting and sales, I'm like, dude, imagine if you 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 keep working through the suck and through the hard. Yes. And then all of a sudden you get good. Yes. And you get really good. And, and think now you're in the really good stage, like your ROI yeah. once oh, you're really good. 100%. I just like, I'm like, dude, do what it takes to become good at what you want to be. I love that advice. Like, just do whatever it takes because your ROI, once you're good, that's it's, right. it's insane. There's one thing that happens in sales. That's what I love about sales. If you'll pay the price to get good at sales, I mean, you go through that gauntlet of the learning curve and you freaking have some courage and you knock on the doors and you fumble and you miss that sell that you should have gotten. Ah, but your skills weren't up to par yet, right? Okay, go grind through that. You get, you stay hungry, stay coachable, ask people, what do you say when they say this? How do you handle when they do this? I want to see your body language. Like, how are you sitting? How, when do you lean back? When do you lean forward? When do you yep. speed up? When do you speed, when do you s slow, slow down? down? Like what, like the nuances, not just what do you say? The nuances of how you're saying it, right? Yep. Okay. I model, I mimic, I'm hungry. I learn. Then you can get to a point in sales where literally the year starts January 1st. You say, I'm going to make 60 grand this year. You can peg it. 
or I'm going to make 150 grand. So or I'm going to make cool. 500 grand. Yeah. Like you know, because you you you've gotten the skill sets up to speed to where you say you can reverse engineer the numbers or whatever the number is, a million bucks, whatever the the goal is, right? Whatever your goal is. Remember when I I hit that, I was like, dang, that is so powerful. The next stage up from that as a sales professional is to learn how to maximize. By the way, I call it a legacy ladder of cash, like an asset ladder, a legacy ladder. The lowest would be dollar per hour. This is how I look at it. Yeah. Dollar per hour, lowest. Not lowest like you're a bad person, but it's the lowest rung of the ladder. You put an hour in, you make a dollar. It's all an exchange, time for effort, yep. right? Uh, I, made, I was making pizzas for $5.25 an hour. That's, listen, that's what, what I made, yeah. right? I was trying to do more than I was paid for as an investment in my future, but that's what I was made. The next step up for me is a salary. And you say, a salary? No, that's like what, like I want a salary because it's more predictable and whatever. Listen, a salary is what the amount they'll pay you to not pursue your dreams and your goals. Yep. It's like, it's just, it's just enough elixir. You're like, yo, I'm good here. The risk is gone for me. The next one up is all commission. All commission is where you want to get. Now, problem with all commission, if you sell nothing, you make zero. Good thing with all commission is if you get good and you pay the price and you learn the skills, good attitudes, skill set, and hard work, you can you can darn near write your ticket for where you want to go. Next up is business is is basically profit. So you you know you own a business, you have profit. The last stage and the most important stage is is uh, asset creation. So you're an asset, something that's generating cash for you, even though you're not exchanging time and effort. That's the final and best stage, right? Best thing about sales is you can earn more money faster to start creating a gap. So there's three steps to wealth building. Step one, maximize your income. A billionaire yep. mentor of mine taught me this. Maximize your income. Make as much as you can. So if you're in sales right now and last year you made 60, go make 80 this year. Your friend that has a salary is not going to be able to have that kind of a jump. Go make 120 this year. Go from 120 to 200 this year. Like go figure it out, map out your plan, learn the metrics, improve your skills, put in the work and go make 200, go yeah. make 250, whatever the goal is. You're maximizing. The trend line goes like this. The next trend is to minimize your expenses. So what happens to most people is as their, as their income line goes up, their expense line follows. Uh, in fact, in most American households, the expense line is outpacing the income line. It's crazy right? to think, but it's... So you want to you maximize and minimize. Expenses going down, income going up. And then lastly is that gap, you know, gap between income and expense. You build cash flowing assets. You invest that cash. Listen, if you're a sales guy... And you are willing to pay the – so it's really three things. Skills, attitude, hard work. Yep. Three things, right? Got a good attitude, people will buy from you. You got good skills, lots more people will buy from you. If you're willing to work hard and have a good attitude and have good skills, you can write your ticket if you pay the price, right? With that, then you maximize your income, minimize your expense, and then start compounding it. You know, uh, that is a special day when your, your asset-based income – you know, Cover, it's pay, it's covers, covers, your covers your lifestyle or more than your life. You know, yeah. that's a happy day. So I'm big in real estate. Do you do any real estate? Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? So, uh, we have quite a bit, but, uh, apartments, mobile home parks, uh, we've done some hard lending in real estate as well, Cool. but we're always kind of working on different projects. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you do big group investing? Yeah. Yeah. I've done that. I've done private stuff too, but I've done, I've done, uh, some fun investing and group investing. So why real estate for you? Why should someone invest in real yeah, estate? I have a diverse portfolio of other things too. So real estate's a part of it. There's many different reasons. Uh, oftentimes in real estate, there is some tax advantage heading in. Oftentimes in real estate, there's more consistent, more predictable returns. Another thing about real estate is it's 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 real. The estate is real. What I mean by that is like it's there's tangible. dirt and there's it's like tangible, wood yeah. and there's like bricks. There's like something you can touch. 
and that has that has value both in the ups and the downs. And so real estate's one of those things like when you're playing Monopoly, you want to own some of the real estate. It's the same game here. You want to start getting pieces of the real estate as you go. Have you found anything that competes in your mind with real estate outside of business? Like there's uh, crypto, from, there's oh, from you know what I'm saying from an investing perspective. Is there is there something that Yeah, I mean some of my um I've done better in other investments than real estate from a an ROI perspective. Uh but it so in other words, it's a portion it's of like what venture I do. capital. Like what I've, do you? I've, I've done that too. But I yeah. like oil and gas. Okay, done, you know, done well. Um, Makes sense. Some venture business stuff. I've done. I've, I've I've done well. By the way, I've lost too. So we can have, yeah. you know, we can talk about all those stories too. <laughs> I just love real estate because to me, it's hard to lose. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. if you if you don't overextend yourself yes. and there is a dip, like it's it's gonna come up. Like it's hard to lose. If you can play the long game, like you're talking. It's a long game. The, That's what's hard for people to see. The thing in real estate, listen, it's the same principles we're talking about. Yeah. It's to freaking be great at it. Tell mm-hmm. people, rule number one of investing, never lose money. Rule number two of investing is never invest in stuff you can't explain. I, I was going to say that. That's like, people just need to understand that. Yeah, listen, if you're going to get into real estate, it's, go freaking get in real estate, but learn what the heck you're doing. Yep. Like, learn this stuff. Listen to the podcast episodes, talk about real estate, and start learning real estate. Awesome. So that you you can avoid the mistakes. Because you can, you know, you can buy a fixer upper and next thing you know, it costs you way more to fix it up than you thought. Like that <laughs> yeah. you can lose yeah. if you're stupid, right? Yeah. You do if you don't know you're what educated. you're doing, you're not educated, you haven't paid the price yeah. to learn. So so you want to learn this stuff to where if you by the way, here's the, the main reason why in investing. If you win, you want to know why you won so you can go win again. If you lose, you want to know why you lost so that you don't make that mistake mm-hmm. twice. So in other words, you want to know why you're what you're investing in, not just like my friend told me. And it just sounded no, no, no. You got to know why. So you you're learning because it's it, you're it's this investment in your future. You're doing more than you're paid for as an investment in your future. You're learning if you win, and you're learning if you lose. You're learning what not to do or what to do. You know, life's an example and yeah. a warning. You know, oh, that's good. What a man. There's been so many nuggets. What other just to wrap up? Any other advice you'd give? You yeah, kinda... I mean, listen. It's it's really those three words. Listen, it's be the one, and. And you say, once you recognize who you really are, you realize you're the one. And the word decision, so the decision is a Latin word. So the decision meant to cut. Decision meant to cut. The D meant off. So a decision cuts off all their possibilities. If you come up to a moment in your life, you choose the path to the right, you cut off all possibilities of the left. The word incision was to cut in. The decision cut off. So... You've never been this old before, and you'll never be this young again. You can't always control what happens, but you can control what happens next because you can make a decision right now to be the one. To be the one, I tell a story in the book, where five and six generations from now, your little grandson or your little granddaughter kneels down at your grave and says, thank you for your faith and your courage and your resilience, like my son did with my my fifth generation grandpa. And they know your story. You want to make decisions today. What decisions do I need to make right now? to cut out things that I don't need anymore? What decisions do I need to make right now to add some stuff, to do some new patterns, new habits? So you start making decisions to say, I'm going to be the one for my family. I'm going to be the one that future generations look up and they say it was him or it was her. She's the one that changed it for our family forever. He's the one that the abuse stopped with him. The addiction stopped with her. The financial principles, it was my great, great, great grandpa that taught this stuff through our generations. Yeah, and I think it's for someone who's struggling in a spot where we talked a little bit about it, where they are telling themselves a lie. They, they 
keep screwing up over and over, it's not as hard as you think. It just takes courage. Change your environment. You just you listed off so many nuggets. What you listen to, the content you consume. Yes. Like in high school, I was I did drugs. I played with drugs. I got expelled. Yeah. It just took it. It took a decision one day to That's say, right. ah, I'm not gonna hang out with these That's guys anymore. Right. That's it. I'm like I'm not gonna hang out with these guys. And That's right. I used to see marijuana every day when I was in high school. I haven't seen it since. Yeah. Like it's the craziest thing. Yeah, one, you change, one you change that identity. You're, one you, decision. You don't smoking marijuana anymore. No, you don't. it's not me. People know that. So this this is you know a story to wrap with. With it's an identity yeah. story, and it's a be the one today story. So check this out. There's a young boy uh, growing up in Wichita, Kansas, sing, raised by a single mom, flunking out of school, flunking out of his life, hanging out with the wrong crowd, the whole thing. May of his junior year, he promises his mom he'll take the SAT test. And the SAT test, if you remember, has two sides. There's a language comprehension and a math side. They're 800 points each. So the max you could score is 1,600 points. This kid goes, takes a test, and he gets his results back, and he's totally stunned. He scores a 1,480. What it means is the kid's a genius. Top. You know? Yeah, he's, he's And he's like, what the heck? You know, So he takes it back to his mom, and his mom says what most of our moms would have said to us. She goes, baby, did you cheat? He goes, mom, I did not cheat. He goes, I promise this is real. So she goes, man, my son's a genius. No kidding. He says, if I'm a genius, I might as well go to class. When he goes to class, he changes his behavior and stops hanging out with the kids he shouldn't hang out with. His teachers say, you know, we had it wrong on you. You're, you're actually a pretty smart kid. He graduates from high school, graduates from junior college, graduates from Wichita State, goes to the Ivy Leagues, graduates with the honors from Ivy Leagues, becomes an entrepreneur in the magazine industry and became one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the magazine industry in, in the country. You say, what a cool story. Here's a kid that changed his behavior, stopped hanging out with the other kids, got that 1480 test score, and it changed his life. It's not the end of the story. So 13 years later, he gets a letter in the mail from Princeton, New Jersey, and it says, we periodically review our test-taking policies and our test-taking procedures, and the year that you took the test, you were one of 13 students that was sent the wrong test score. You didn't score a 1480. You scored a 740. And he said, my whole life, people have been telling me, man, your life changed when you got this 1480 test score. He said, no, my whole life changed when I started acting like a 1480. So act the part today. Be the one today. Step into it today. Be the best version of yourself today. You say, I'm not even that person. Go be that person today, and you'll start acting yeah, like that person. Because you can. That's right. And you are. Justin, you're the man. Oh, brother. Honor Share this podcast. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate, Appreciate it. You.